The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This is the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next, your new favorite beer with zero carbs, now available to you. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. Kudos for naming your son Ty, T-Y-E, just like I spell my name. There aren't many T-Y-E's out there. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Justin texted in a minute ago, said he may be way behind. He didn't tune in in a day or two. Is Ty still alive? I mean, we sent Ty. Chuck and I paid for this. We sprung for this out of our own pocket. Didn't even get to expense it. But just said, go away. Well, we, we sent him on an all-inclusive snipe hunt down in Texas, and we hadn't heard from him in a few days. So uh, I don't know if he'll make it back or not before a kickoff, but... Uh, We'll see if he returns uh, in a few days. Arts Barbecue is where we're going to head to get some great stuff for the tailgate. Chuck, you always got to have great food at your tailgate, your home gate. What, if you're watching college football and you have something good to eat and something cold to drink, well, you're, you, you're probably in fourth and long. You're probably punting. It's probably not a good deal. So if you want something good and delicious, you can call ahead right now. You've just got a little over a week. And uh, Arts can have you baby back ribs, brisket, pulled pork, or maybe you're smoking the ribs and you just don't have time for the baked beans and the mac and cheese and the potato salad. They can do any or all of that. So uh, whatever you need help with for your home gate or your tailgate, they've got it for you. 452-2550. They also do other stuff. I mean, catfish, every Friday is all you need, catfish Friday. Catfish, they do the best fried shrimp. That's the uh, For those that... Uh, Got to know the lay of the land in the River Valley from years ago. They got the old Tommy's shrimp. You know, remember old Tommy's on Midland and Kelly? They uh, they got that that fried shrimp from over there that's uh, on their menu. So a lot of good stuff. It's all at Arts Barbecue. They can help you get ready for tailgating, 452-2550. Uh, let's see. Nick Saban. Let's start there. We haven't really touched on this. We'll take some Talk calls. Talk about the richest guy out there <laughs> yeah. right off the bat. Well, he's already there. <laughs> let's, let's get to uh, – Let's, let's see how much more money he's going to get. And then we'll get to some phone calls uh, as well uh, here this morning. I don't, Chuck, to me, I mean, the, the $11.7 million, the $93 million, all of those are, to, to me, I, I don't know about you, but that's just kind of so much funny money. I don't know how much we as fans and observers of college football really understand the reality of that kind of money. And he was already making nearly $10 million. And to me, this is all about their, they weren't going to let Kirby Smart and Georgia outdo their coach, even though Georgia won the national title. They were not going to allow Nick Saban to be paid second-rate money, in their opinion. Uh, the, the story for me, as an Arkansas guy, Chuck, is this is an eight-year deal. And I don't know if he'll, I doubt he coaches all eight years, but Everybody's kind of got in their back of their mind. We're a year or two away from Nick Saban retiring. I've never believed that. I think, I think he coaches at least 
three to five more years can, if his health doesn't fail him. And this well, idea that he's no going away. I think it will. Yeah, exactly. So I'm of the belief that he's not going away anytime soon. And, Chuck, this, this arrangement he made with the University of Alabama yesterday confirms that for me. Yeah, I'm always reminded of what Coach Broyles used to say, that whatever you pay a good coach is not enough and whatever you pay a bad coach is too much. And, um, you know, I think if you were to poll Alabama's fans and say, is it worth $11 million to keep Nick Saban, they'd all say yes. And um, if you were paying him on commission based on the dollars that he's brought into the University of Alabama, he's probably making less than 10%. Um, because this guy is, uh, I mean, he is the face of football in the South. He's the face of that university. And, um, but, but, you know, in terms of his longevity, a couple of points on that. Uh, part of this is for recruiting because when the legends get old, the way you recruit against them is you say, well, he's not even going to be there the entire time you play football at Alabama. You know, Saban can go in there with a straight face, and, you know, Saban will stretch the truth. I mean, remember when he said there was no way he was going to coach Alabama. So, uh, um, I mean, it, it, you know, he can go in with a straight face to a recruit's house and say, I'm going to coach you every year that you're here. And um, I think there's an advantage there. But I also think that, you know, Saban's incredibly healthy. People live differently now than they did back in the day, so to speak. Um, you know, Saban's a healthy guy. He's not a drinker. He's not a smoker. By all accounts, he, you know, he's, he's not been hard on his body, so to speak, aside from the mental aspect that comes from coaching. And I could see him doing it a while longer. I mean, I wish he wouldn't. <laughs> I can see him doing well, it another five years or so. I, I, I'm with you, I, and I, I've always believed he's. When you look at it for what he's done for the university in total, not just the football program or just the athletic department, you look at student enrollment. And I don't know what the current per hour rate is at the University of Arkansas, but I know it's not cheap to go to school. You know, it's about thirty thousand years. What I hear my buddies griping about that they're they're paying for their kids. You look at what Alabama's enrollment's done since he arrived in two thousand seven. And it, it's night and day. And, and you hear these stories about, hey, I want to go to Bama because I've watched their football program. They win national titles. I want to be a part of that as, as a student. He's, he's raised the credibility not just of the university, Chuck, but I think the way people view the state of Alabama around our country has changed because of what Nick Saban has well, done. maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I know this. In... 1990, from about 1990 to 1995, 1996, I know lots of kids in Arkansas who went to the University of Arkansas because of the basketball team. Mm -hmm. um, hey, I, I, I've only half joked when I've said back in the 80s, hey, we all made sure we were enrolled at least at the start of the semester so <laughs> we'd be eligible for all the student tickets. <laughs> exactly. And let me tell you something. I mean, we joke about it. But it does enter into the psyche of people. And um, when you are good, when your athletic team is good, your athletics teams are good, not just one, but all of them or most of them are the ones that people pay attention to. Um, that becomes the university's calling card in many respects. And, you know, Saban, love him or hate him, I mean, he's um, – you know, you don't hear about DUIs that nobody ever finds out about. You don't hear about mistresses. I mean, he didn't have scandals in his personal life. And um, he's represented their state well. He's represented their university well. And you're right. I mean, when people, um, when people think of Saban, they think of Alabama and vice versa. 
and Saban always makes a good impression in that regard. So what do you think out there? We're, we're talking about it. What are you saying about it this morning? Let's check in with Jimmy. He's down in South Arkansas, down in Stevens, listening this morning. Jimmy, thanks for listening to the Morning Rush. Top of the morning to you, fellas. How you doing? Hey, I don't see uh, Coach Saban hanging it up at all. I think he's gonna he's gonna pass away on the sideline, probably in the middle of a fifty-two to seven route of uh, Western Carolina when the four-string linebacker misses a tackle, it'll just kill him. You know, that's my my take on it. And I, I got another beef. Uh, I could see that. Georgia Georgia was a good football team, but they were not good enough to beat Alabama when they were healthy last year. I think the Hogs might have beat Alabama if they didn't have their top two receivers like when Georgia played them. I mean, I think they were extremely lucky. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the breaks fall like they do. They took advantage of it, and they won the title. But don't give me this these Georgia people saying we're the best team ever. I don't hear that crap. They got blown out by Alabama when they were in full strength. So I want you guys' opinion on that. Thanks. All right, Jimmy, thanks for, thanks for your call this morning. Chuck, I mean, there's no – there's no question that, uh, you know, Georgia was the better team in the end, but I think Jimmy makes a good point that you can't forget that regular season game. Well, injuries are part of football. And, I mean, that's cliche-ish, but it's true. And, you know, if if Georgia had lost a top player during that game and Alabama had pulled away, I mean, I don't think Alabama people would have wanted to hear Georgia people make excuses. Georgia won the game, and it's given Alabama fuel. And... Um, you know, I would expect Alabama to be very good again this year. So is Georgia. But there's other good teams, too, out there. And so um, I think we saw, and, and I do think part of this is psychological. And, look, Alabama may come out this year and blow everybody's doors off. But, you know, we saw a chink or two in the armor last year. Um, you know, I think there's the belief now that there's going to come a point where Alabama's no longer invincible. You know, the one thing about Saban, and I will say this, um, sometimes legends stay too long because they are just that. They are legends, and nobody, you know, nobody can tell them it's time to go. And sometimes they do hang on too long. And I do believe there will be a slip in uh, Saban's final two or three years. Um, and I don't think we're all that far from that. I, I, I can see him doing it another five. I, I don't see yeah. him going until he's 79 or 80. But mm. we're going to see a slip a little bit. Um, and I think people began to sense last year that perhaps it might be beginning. I'm not convinced of that yet. But um, I do think at the end we'll see it slip a little bit. Now, you're around these guys on – on much different levels than any of us are, but I, I'm of the, so you can, can tell me I'm right or wrong. And I know all of them are a little bit different, but you get to, to a guy like Saban, uh, you, you look at a, a guy, and I know Paterno's ending at Penn state was a much different deal. And um, you've got a different connection with, with coach Powell. These guys that coach later into their seventies, I think a lot of them, and, and you just study it and you listen to what their families say after the fact, a, they didn't want to quit because they loved the work, but they were, I think there's also a fear that if I quit doing this, I'll die. I mean, because it's all they know. They've only been a part of a team their whole life. And if they're not part of a team, what what do you do? I I think there's a real fear. Some of these guys keep doing it, Chuck, because they know that 
not doing it probably means they're, they're not going to be around. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly what they've done it's their, their whole purpose lives. in life. And, and, but, you know, there are a lot of people like that. There are a lot of people in their mm -hmm. profession. Their profession becomes their identity, and when they finally hang it up, they're not long for this world. And, um, you know, you think about Bear Bryant. That happened with him. Bear Bryant was not as healthy, though, as what these guys are. I mean, Bear Bryant, <laughs> arguably the greatest coach of all time, but, you know, he was a smoker and a drinker. Yeah. Uh, pretty Un heavy on both counts. Un unfiltered camels, yeah, by the way. I mean, he, was, he, you know, he smoked those unfiltered <laughs> Pall Malls back in the day. And so um, these guys, you know, we don't do that now as a society. We don't do that. And so people tend to live longer, uh, healthier lives. And, and um, um, you know, part of the deal, I think, with the older coaches, though, with like Bowden and Paterno and some of those guys, they weren't as rich as these guys are. Well, that's a good point. They weren't making $10 million a year. They weren't even making a million dollars a year. If they were, they were barely making a million dollars a year. Only so, Paternal ever made a million. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, these the, these were not, you know, they did not earn generational wealth. Now, look, by, you know, everybody's, by com, you know, comparable standards, they were rich. But to say they had generational wealth, would not be accurate because they didn't make that kind of money. So these guys, in part, I think, coached a long time for the money. Um, I don't think that, obviously, for Saban, it's about, man, I, you know, I got to have $93 million. I, you know, I got kids to feed. I mean, they didn't like that. Um, it's about keeping score now. It's about pride and ego now. Yeah. I, I would love to know, and, you, and you'll never know unless you're in the inner circle, who initiated the conversation about his raise? Was was this Saban and, and his group, or was this the boosters and the university and the power brokers that, hey, we're not going to sit back and let old Kirby Smart make more money than our guy? I, I'd be well, interested to know who, who initiated this new extension of his contract. I think it was probably understood. Yeah. I, uh, you know, yeah. I, th I think it was probably understood that this is what was going to happen. I, I don't know what his contract says. You know, you hear about that clause that he's got to be the highest paid coach and Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's in there. Well, um, well there's but, some new know. language. I was reading yesterday and just the, the reports of this, and it gets a little wordy, but essentially there's an average of the top five. He's got to be above the average of the top five paid coaches. So, uh, you know, there's some, there's some things that automatically kick in if he falls below that. So I guess he's rooting for everyone else to get a raise, too, from that standpoint. All I know is I'm going to be glad when the games start so we can quit talking oh. about TV contracts and how rich Nick Saban is and all that stuff. I mean, that's uh, it's what the offseason brings. It's what we got. Yeah, so, I mean, man, I'm going to be glad when they're playing games. That's almost a million a month. There's a lot of us that will make a million in our lifetime. Oh, yeah. Well, that, you know. that, that's just it. I, I, I mean, these are numbers we become desensitized to. Yeah. Because we money. hear them like they're scores in a ball game. Mm -hmm. And um, a million, you know, 800, 900, whatever, a month. I mean, most people, as you well, say, they won't make that kind of money in their lifetime. Do the math. You know, if you make $200,000 a year, you're you're living well. It's going to take you a long time to make a million bucks. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, and that million a month, Chuck, now that's before taxes, you know. Oh, so, I, know. I mean, yeah. he doesn't get all that million dollars to live. I mean, you know, so, so yeah, what it's just his, become just. What will his wife do? What, <laughs> what, what will she be able to buy? Yeah, she'll probably have to go to Aldi for the groceries now, you yeah. know. So. Hey, uh, four hogs were selected, the coaches, preseason all-SEC team. Jalen Catalan, Bumper Pool on the defensive side were selected. Ricky Stromberg was the first-team center, all three of those guys' first team. 
Brady Latham, the uh, the other hog of the four, he was selected to the third team as an offensive lineman. Chuck, I mean, it's 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 not much of an argument about Bryce Young being the first-team quarterback, and maybe you could argue uh, another player or two for second team, but K.J. Jefferson completely left off of what turned out to be four quarterbacks selected by the coaches because Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker tied for the second team, so they don't break that time, and uh, didn't even make the basically the top four selections uh, on this list. I wouldn't trade him for any of those guys. No. I mean, it'd be nice to have Bryce Young. Sure, it would be. It'd be nice to go get the number one quarterback in the country every year. But, um, you know, I'm not so sure you put K.J. Jefferson with what Bryce Young had last year. He's not playing in the same ball game Bryce Young was. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't trade K.J. for anybody. No, and Will Levis was the third-team quarterback. I mean, What's Will? I mean, I know he's projected to be maybe one of the top quarterbacks out of this league to go. And, you know, when you hear people talk about that, but what's Will Will Levis done that that KJ Jefferson isn't equal or better at? I will admit I am biased, and I may be completely wrong about this, but there's a part of me that just kind of halfway discards when they start talking about players in the Eastern Division being like, you know, and and I'm not talking about the guys for Georgia. I'm talking about the Kentucky quarterback and the Tennessee quarterback and some of these other guys. Um, I just don't think that division's as good. I don't think the defenses they play week in and week out are as good. I think there's Georgia. And, and, you know, Georgia's, they were the best team in the league, best team in the country. Um, But beyond that, I just, there's a part of me that just, can't help but you know put a big question mark above anything that is said good about somebody in the east because i just don't think the defenses are as good over there coming up later on we'll dive into this kj jefferson discussion and the all sec team our question this morning our morning rush daily question should kj jefferson have been selected to any there were three of them there were four guys any of the all sec teams by the coaches i mean Seriously, so let's discuss that. You can call or text 877-377-6963. Speaking of quarterbacks, Chuck, the Heisman odds came out for the Heisman Trophy yesterday. It's kind of interesting. You got to, we may be in a year where we finally see someone win it twice, go back to back. But Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud is the consensus favorite, according to the betting odds, to win it. And followed by last year's winner and Alabama's quarterback, uh, Bryce Young. Uh, now, Stroud, in, in betting terms, is plus 200. Bryce Young is plus 430. And then USC's quarterback, uh, Caleb Williams, is third on the odds at plus 700 on this list. Um, I th- you know, I don't know that we're going to see a back-to-back winner, but this might be the closest we've been in a long, long time. Well, you got to play for a great team, you know, because um, I'm going to tell you, I would be willing to bet you that at the end of the season, the quarterback in our league with the best stats is the guy from Mississippi State. Um, Will Rogers. Yeah. If you, you know, if you really start putting up quarterback numbers, I mean, who, who's, you know, who's the best quarterback out there? Um, I'll bet you at the end of the year, he's got the best numbers, but he, but he doesn't have a prayer. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it'll probably be one of those guys, whoever the, Whoever the best player is on the best team. I mean, it's um, the Heisman Trophy, and I'm not discounting it. I'm saying that um, um, the idea that you can be on a three- or four-loss team and win it is just far-fetched, and the idea that you can't have the best player in the country on a team with three or four losses is just as far-fetched. And and everybody wonders, Clay's always a proponent for 
a defensive player. Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama that's on every list, and rightfully so. According to Caesars Sportsbook, he's attracted more bets than any other player to this point. In fact, his odds already have moved from 60 to 1 to 22 to 1. So that, you know, that doesn't really have anything to do with who's going to win the Heisman, but the betting public really likes him some Will Anderson. And at 60, if you got in early at 60 to 1, you know, you put 50 bucks down on that, that may, that may turn out to be a pretty good bet, Chuck. Well, I mean, you know, there's always a fashionable defensive player out there every five or six ten years there's a guy that they say man he ought to be in the running for the Heisman I remember as a kid Hugh Green at Pitt uh, got a bunch of votes in fact I think he may still have the most votes of any defensive player in the Heisman balloting but you got to have the ball in your hands to win the Heisman that's just the reality last time a defensive player won it of course was Charles Woodson who also returned kicks that yeah. was back in 97 so uh, I don't yeah. think Will Anderson and he win shouldn't it. have won it he won it over Peyton Manning <laughs> it was a joke I mean it was a joke and uh, ESPN picked that one and to me that's when the Heisman jumped the shark I'd forgotten about that I'm glad you mentioned that so that's uh, my beef today Charles Woodson <laughs> winning the Heisman over Peyton Manning yeah well uh, and and that's one thing. Of course, Manning's career went on to have. Uh, I don't yeah, know. What's Tra- you know. Charles Woodson's a good player. I'm not saying that, but he 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 won it based on that one game. He had one game where I think he scored a couple of touchdowns, picked off a couple of passes. Like, well, we got to give him the Heisman. Well, and then back in that day, if Keith Jackson had a good one liner about you, that that in, in a big ball game, that would uh, that almost throw you well, over the top. Well, he had that one well. big game. Yeah. I mean, I. I I remember it, and uh, but Peyton should have won that. That was a joke. We'll dive in, uh, dive into this a little bit later on, but ESPN has put out, um, David Hale put a column together and put all the teams, one through 131 in FBS football, in tiers. And we'll talk about where Arkansas is at. Any guesses on who's in his top tier? He only got three in there. Should be easy. I know two of them. Yeah, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State are the three. So, Yeah, Every, well, yeah they uh, Ohio State's becoming a pretty popular yeah. pick. So I want to talk trendy. about, is there anyone out there? I and mean, then we'll look at the next tiers of those teams. And I want, to, I want to hear from you guys out there listening this morning, you guys and gals. Who's the team that could rock the apple cart? Because who's going to be that fourth team that gets into the playoff? I think, you know, we'd all agree that we were kind of picking our playoff teams right now. Bama, Georgia, Ohio State would be right there for most people. Who's the fourth team? And, you know, who could rock the apple cart and maybe knock out one of those three. So we'll uh, we'll dive into a little bit more of that coming up. Hey, if you farm, there's plenty of things on your plate to worry about right now without worrying about interest rates and bank payments and, you know, what's the interest rates going to be in six months from now. Farm credit has the longest terms in the ag industry. So they can lock you into a long-term fixed rate right now, and there's no surprises. Your payments stay the same for the life of your loan, giving you the peace of mind Right now, where the, the, the rates just seem to be going up every few months to slow down this in, inflation. Find a farm credit office near you at myaglender.com. That's myaglender.com and set your operation up for success and rest easy with farm credit, an equal housing lender. We'll uh, also get into our Morning Rush Daily question in about 20 minutes or so. We'll talk about this and I want you know some calls and texts as well. We, Chuck and I want to talk to you out there this morning. Should K.J. Jefferson have been an all-SEC player in your mind? Or will this serve as motivation? That's the other thing about this, Chuck. We've seen Coach Pittman talk about this, K.J. talk about this. When he was picked by one writer last year as the the, the worst quarterback in this league, that, that fueled some things. This, this right here yesterday may fuel some things for K.J. 
Maybe. I mean, you know, at this point, quite frankly, you know, I doubt KJ's really looking at snubs like that for motivation. I mean, if he needs that at this point, um, you know, that wouldn't be good. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's in that spot. This is, um, you know, we're at the point where, and we we got so many people out there now writing about college football websites, the whole deal. I mean, um, sometimes I I read some of this stuff, and maybe we put a little bit too much creeps into it that guy was a nut job last year uh kj will be fine we have to remind ourselves a lot of these things we read are one person's opinion yeah, you, know? you know i mean i can i can have just Cheetos as bad of opinion as anybody basement you know? half the time yeah I mean, so mean, some of these guys i mean they're calling themselves sports writers is really you know that's a stretch <laughs> so all right hour two coming up your calls and text on the way 877 877- Three seven seven six nine six three. We got some text. We got to catch up on here. They're piling up over here, and your calls all on the way. It's a What's Your Beef Wednesday edition of the Morning Rush on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet use our promo code believe 50 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's believe b-l-e-a-v 50 that's believe b-l-e-a-v 5-0 bet online where the game starts first western bank we are more than just a bank we are your partner for all your financial services First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Morning Rush Daily Question, which is brought to you by Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. We've been talking about this all-SEC team, Chuck. K.J. Jefferson left off. There's four quarterbacks on it. K.J. Jefferson's not one of them. Bryce Young, Heisman Trophy winner, first team, no problem there. K.J. Jefferson, should he have been selected to any of the all-SEC teams? Here's a question you brought up during the break. Who out there? Who out there in the SEC would you trade for KJ? If you if you could if you could just have a trade right like they do in the pros right now, is there any quarterback other than maybe Bryce Young you'd even entertain? And I don't think very many Arkansas fans would entertain a trade with any of the schools in the SEC right now. I don't think so either. That's so much of the optimism that Razorback fans have about this year, and and I've maintained this forever that. 
if a fan base believes in their head coach and if they believe in their returning quarterback, uh, they're going to feel like they've got a chance to win every game. And that's where you want your fan base to be if you're running a program. You want them to feel like you're going to win every game. And K.J. gives us that. Sam Pittman gives us that. And um, I wouldn't trade him for anybody. And that includes Bryce Young. Because, look, if K.J. had played with that team last year, K.J. might very well have been playing in the same ball game Bryce Young was for all the marbles. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade K.J. for anybody. Yeah, and I, I think when you when you look at Hendon Hooker, Stetson Bennett, Will Levis, those were the quarterbacks chosen by the coaches for this team that uh, were all chosen ahead of KJ. You know, when you look at you know Anthony Richardson down at uh, at Florida's got a strong arm, but is it any stronger than than KJ's? You know, we, we we see the touch he has on the deep ball. I mean, Will Rogers, you brought him up earlier at Mississippi State and the stats he may pile up. I mean, Spencer Rattler, you're going to see him week two. There's still a lot of unknowns with him. You know, Rattler's one. It's interesting. I mean, at this time a year ago, he was the face of NIL. Mm-hmm. He was uh, mentioned on every Heisman list. And, um, you know, now he's, now he's at South Carolina. So, I mean, things change. And... I wouldn't trade K.J. for any of these guys. Now, if I was an Eastern Division head coach, um, and there are seven of them, um, I'd probably vote for either Hooker or Revis because you got a game plan against those guys every week. Uh, plus, they're in your division. And so if you feel like you can stop them, it makes you look better if you vote them all conference. Um, I think some of that's got something to do with it. You look on our side right now, um, Bryce Young, by virtue of the fact that he's the quarterback at Alabama, and he's very good. You know, he's generally speaking, I think the consensus is the best quarterback in the West. But after that, you, you, you know, again, I, I think it's KJ. Um, and, you know, I, and I've said this before, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think KJ faces better defenses week in and week out in the West than those guys do over in the East. We got a lot of text on this. Uh, you guys out there got a lot of opinions on this, and that's great. Uh, Brandon in Paris says Eddie and Clarksville would say sliding KJ just keeps adding fuel to the hog train. I, I do think there could be some motivation out of this, but uh, uh, we'll see if is KJ even paying attention to something like this. I mean, at this point, when you're this close to the season. Oh, I don't think he is. Maybe it'll be mentioned to him. Um, you know, I, I, I think you reach a point where, and if you're a quarterback at Arkansas, you better reach that point pretty quickly yeah. where you let everything roll off your back. Otherwise, you'll drive yourself insane. And uh, I think KJ's probably pretty good at that. Scott Nozark says that KJ will be the underdog in the league this year. Stats and wins, Chuck, is what will get KJ's name in the hat at the end of the year. Well, if he's got wins, he'll have stats. You can bet on that. You, you can develop stats without getting wins. But if he's got wins, he'll have stats. I was talking about Stetson Bennett earlier. Harry Dog in Fayetteville said Stetson Bennett will be the backup to Vandergriff or Beck by the end of the year at Georgia. <laughs> he might be right. Look, you can't take anything away from that kid. I mean, you can't. And uh, we've seen him play well against us. and We've seen him struggle. Um, but... He's got the ring, but I'll go back to what I said a little bit earlier. They didn't win the title because of Stetson Bennett. Now, I'm not saying they won in spite of him. I don't believe that. 
but I don't believe they won it because of it. JT in Hot Springs says he doesn't see how KJ isn't on the second or third team All-SEC. Understands Bryce Young being first team, but KJ completely left off is just wrong. This is what JT says. Wrong. Wrong. Fundamentally wrong. You were talking about the Heisman earlier. Uh, JT also wants to know, Chuck, if you think ESPN uh, put the shaft to Darren a little bit in 07 on the Heisman. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, you can make a strong argument. Tebow, that was the year Tebow won it, right? Yes. Tebow was the golden boy. Tebow was the golden boy. I don't think that, I think we knew Darren was the best player in the country. Um, he did things Tim Tebow could never do. Uh, and, and that's no disrespect to Tim Tebow. McFadden was just better. Uh, was he the best player in America? I don't think there's any question about it. Um, Tebow was the darling, though, and, and Florida was a championship team then. And they, you know, they were the biggest brand in our conference back then. And he was the best player on the best team or, you know, certainly the face of the best team. So I see how it happened. But I'll always think Darren was the best player. Derek in Fayetteville agrees with you, Chuck. He says that K.J. would have went as far as Bryce Young did if he had that Bama team to work with as well. And, you know, that's just how the ball bounces. I, I mean, you could probably say that about other quarterbacks too. But, you know, Bryce Young is a great quarterback, and I'm not taking anything away from him. Tua was too. Uh, they've had other great quarterbacks there. Um McCarron was a great quarterback, but there are other quarterbacks that would have won the same way if they'd had that supporting cast or that defense playing on the other side. Mark from Rogers says telling KJ Jefferson he isn't one of the top QBs in the SEC is like telling Bobby Boucher that his mama is stupid or water sucks. <laughs> so, more calls and texts coming up 877 377 6963. Another big uh, headline uh, from the conference yesterday was Nick Saban. And uh, he was already getting paid big, Chuck, but he's getting paid even larger now as, uh, as his contract's been extended another year. 93 million bucks is what's going to be on his uh, uh, total contract and about 11.7 million a year. Eight years now on the deal for Nick Saban. It's just staggering. I mean, you know, it's staggering. Most people in Alabama. I don't know what the median income in Alabama is, but I'm going to guess probably, what do you think, fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 Median income? Right. Household median. income, maybe, you know, maybe yeah, 80. Average household yeah. income. So, I mean, you start doing the math, how long the average Alabama person would have to work to make what Saban makes in a month. Um, but, you know, I also know that if you were to poll all those people in that state and you were to say, you know, is he worth that money, they'd say yes. And, you know, I heard somebody say yesterday, when are they going to start holding the line on these coaches? <laughs> if that Alabama AD, if Greg Byrne had said no, not, not we're, we're going to hold the line at, 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 at $80 million. they'd have fired him. I don't know if you noticed, uh, the last line in the story was yeah, he got, the AD got a raise, too. Yeah, he's that, making one point seven. He got a raise, too. Yeah. It wasn't $93 million, but no. he got a raise. Yeah, he got, he got another year on his contract. Yeah, one point seven for Greg Byrne. But I'm of the belief, and you tell me I'm wrong here, uh, if I am, but even at $11.7 million a year, and even at $93, $94 million over eight years, you could easily make the case that Saban's still underpaid. Not, not, not just for the national championship and a Heisman Trophy or two or three, and then 
the football. You look at what he's done to enrollment there. You look at what he's done for the state of Alabama and its image nationally and the credibility of that state. Chuck, $11.7 million a year may not be enough if you factor just everything in. Oh, he's a bargain at $11.7 million. I mean, gosh, just think about that. He's a bargain at $11.7 million <laughs> well, a year. I mean, that's the world of college football. Yeah. And uh, he is a bargain at that. Um, whatever you pay a good one's not enough. Whatever you pay a bad one's too much. Coach Broyles always said that, and it's true. It, it, it's the truest thing out there. And, um, you know, Saban's, um, he's brought glory to that state. And there's nothing more important to the people of Alabama than football. I mean, there's not. There's nothing more important to the people of Alabama than football. He's put them at the top of the mountain and the most important thing to them. And um, they'll pay him whatever he wants. Remember when he came in in 2007, and we were all having these discussions on Sports Talk Radio, and it was, you know, any coffee shop or barbershop was talking about the same thing. They're going to pay him $4 million a year? There's no, there's no football coach worth $4 million a year. Where, where, where does this end? I mean, right. you know, and Here's here we are thing. today, $4 millions, you know, gets you the bottom three of the league. Well, the, 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 you know, some of the money, and not just for head coaches, is just incredible. I'll go back to Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama. I want that job. $1.7 million a year. Mm-hmm. My only job, the, the only thing I got to do is make sure that I give Nick Saban enough money <laughs> that he's happy coaching here. Yeah. That's my, and they're going to pay me $1.7 yeah. million to do it. And they're willing to give him anything they want. Or anything he wants, they're willing to give him. All I got to do is take the credit for it. And, and be willing. Now, that's a good gig. And be willing to live in Saban's shadow, which wouldn't be hard for, for any of us to just con- concede to that, you know? Well, he could be, uh, Greg Byrne could be making $5 million a year, and he'd still be living in Nick or, Saban's yeah. shadow. Saban's not even six feet tall, but he casts a wide shadow. I'm, I'm not talking financially. I'm just talking about. We know who the most powerful person oh, is, you know, who the de facto absolutely. AD really is. I mean, you've got to, absolutely. you know, there was always He's the, the de facto uh, governor. He's yeah. the de facto whatever he needs to be that week. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that, but hey, for nearly $2 million, I could, I could swallow a lot of pride for that, Chuck. Say, Coach, how would you like your salad? Yeah. <laughs> Take uh, cream yeah. and sugar or uh, uh, just straight, right I'd right like your coffee there, you know, so I'd be right there. I could, I could, uh, I could probably put up with some of that. So, but you know, everyone wants to know when's Nick Saban going to retire. And I don't think this deal gives you any hope. But I don't believe he's you know this this idea of retirement's imminent, or that he's burned out, or that he's you know nil and the transfer portal is is just more than he wants to deal with. I mean, I think Coach K and Roy Williams in basketball. I think that's the reason they left the sport. But I I, I just don't think Saban's gone in the next three to five years. I think it's five years or longer before he's out of there. I think, you know, it's different in basketball because my sense last year was that, yes, Coach K was obviously the final word at Duke. It was still his program. It'll still be his program. Um, But the day-to-day activities had been passed to others. I don't believe that Nick Saban has passed many day-to-day duties you know, you hear about some of these old coaches. Well, he's a, he's a figurehead. Somebody else is really the head coach. I don't think it's that way at Alabama. Now, I would set the over under at five years. 
Um, and I'd probably take the under if you want to know the truth. I, I he's uh, uh, I, I can't imagine him doing this past 75. Um, I just I just can't imagine him doing it, particularly in the climate that college sports is becoming. Um, and as I've said before, I think he's got a lot to offer the game. Um, college football needs Nick Saban, but. Uh, Sure would be nice if Alabama wasn't as good every year. Yeah, I don't think I'm with you. As long as he's there, I don't think there's going to be a tremendous uh, no, dip. In, I don't in think what so either. And when he can't live to that level, I think it's when he takes himself uh, out of the equation, so to speak. I know one. Well, guy, the system's set up for the rich to stay rich. Yeah. And Alabama's rich, and they're un, 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 unless they hire the wrong guy after Saban, may not be quite like Saban, but unless they hire the wrong guy. Yeah. They'll still be really good. Yeah, top five. Top I've, ten. I've never believed just because Saban leaves, there's going to be this tremendous drop off that, you know, they're not going back to, to six and six football anytime no, soon. I don't so, think so either. And there's a lot of people that got that uh, in their head. It's not like Arkansas is the only one that's going to gain an advantage of Nick Saban in there. So, um, anyway, Eddie's in Clarksville. I bet Eddie's got some thoughts on this. Eddie, you're on the morning rush. Good morning, gentlemen. And good morning to this great fan base. That's what? We got 10 days away. That countdown has truly begun, and I can't wait for it to happen. You know, gentlemen, I feel like this. As the fan base is listening this morning, you know, my grandmother, I share this with you. She had an apple tree in the backyard, and as a young man, you know, I loved apple pies. And fried apple, she'd make the best fried apple pies. She said, son, go climb that tree. Hey, go get, pick me some ripe apples. I feel like our program, our players, our coaches, staff, I'm not saying they're an apple, but I'm getting ready to take a bite out of it. I'd go pick them apples. And uh, it's starting to ripen before our very eyes. And I mean, what wouldn't you be optimistic? And for KJ Jefferson, then to make the list, well, we're going to go out and prove it this year. And as I said the other day, gentlemen, Women's knocking at the door. You know, there's two doors in football or any sport. There's a winning door and there's a losing door. Well, let's, can you hear the knocking? Because Eddie from Clarksville is fixing to answer that door in a football program. I'm ready to, to push through that door with our team. And, I mean, we've been through the darkness. Coach Pittman is the conductor. And we're fixing to take the whole chain through the winning door. And we got... That comes September 3rd, we're going to be playing that song all season long, burning down the house. And, you know, they say Michigan has a house called the Big House. Well, welcome to Fayetteville. And for the fan base, I want to hear you this morning. Can you hear the knocking? Can you hear the bell ringing? Because September 3rd, we're going to set the tone for the season. And we got to make it to Hopel. And so, get ready. And he's ready. This football program is ready. Our players are ready. And the apples are starting to ripen. Thank you for taking my call, gentlemen. Do you think Eddie drinks decaf or the, the full pop caffeinated each morning? You know who I hear when I hear Eddie going <laughs> off like that? I hear Ric Flair. I expect Eddie, when he's done, to give the big woo the way Ric Flair did back in the day. I can't get my voice that high anymore. I don't know if Eddie can either. But he sounds like he's giving an interview on uh, Saturday morning wrestling. And I just keep waiting on him to go Ric Flair at the end. <laughs> I don't think 
Can you do one? Woo! I, that, that's, I can't get that that's about as good. Let's see if Drew can get I'm one. I'm not out. even going to try. Woo! That's, 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 that's better than the one I had. Charlie's in Cam. <laughs> Charlie, good That's the young guy over there. <laughs> yeah, he got a little, little more gumption behind it. Charlie, good morning. What's up, guys? Man, Eddie's like the guy if you put a microphone in his hand. Yeah, he would He would definitely – he could be the best heel character in WWE, you know, like Ric Flair was back in the day, the best bad guy. He could be a good, good, really good He could be good a manager. Too. Yeah, he, <laughs> he could be a manager. He'd be a heck of a – yeah. Hey, Chuck, I've always uh, wanted to tell you, man, uh, I was talking to halftime yesterday how awesome you are at calling the game. You and – you know, Phil does a great job with the baseball. I always enjoy listening. I try to sync my TV up and, uh, you know, get it to where it's kind of on the same, you know, wavelength as you call in the game because I prefer to listen to you guys, you know, over, you know, SEC Network or whoever's calling the game. So I really enjoy listening to you, man. You do a great job. Uh, I wanted to say, um, you know, you talked about KJ. We've been talking about KJ. And I want to ask you guys something and, you know, this is just my opinion. Tom um, McShay did this little thing the other day, and I talked about this a little bit on halftime. He did six SEC quarterbacks, but he didn't do KJ. You guys think that's just a little bit disrespectful? I don't. Is he saying? Is he really telling me that there are six SEC quarterbacks better than KJ Jefferson? I mean, I, I don't understand that, and I think I think KJ personally, and this, and I'm not being at home. He's second or third best quarterback in this league. I really do, and I think, you know, obviously behind Alabama and maybe Levis, but you know, when it go, when you come into the season with the question marks at receiver and all that, but I think these receivers are going to step up. We're going to have a, you know, receiver by committee, and they're going to play well. I think it's deep. And uh, anyways, guys, I appreciate it. I'm definitely ready for Cincinnati. You know, I remember when uh, oh uh, Ty was saying it was Clay's birthday, and we're 60 plus days out. God, these last two weeks feel like they're taking forever. Anyways, guys, I appreciate it. Like I said, Chuck, man, enjoy hearing you call. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. You know, to, to, to Charlie's question there, I don't think any of us believe. You know, we don't even need we don't need need Eddie's energy this morning to figure out there's not six better quarterbacks. I just wonder because KJ's viewed as a run first guy. He's a running back that plays quarterback. And because he's not viewed as a passer first, is does he get set aside a little bit? Is he devalued in some's mind because he's not a, you know, a, he's not he's not going to fill the, the the box score up with a ton of passing yards. Well, I think that's part of it. Yes, I th- I think people, um, particularly some of these guys that write about this stuff, um, that's that's what's easy to understand. Passing stats, and they can look at that. It's uh, it's easy to understand. I'm not talking about the coaches voting on it. I'm talking about some of the articles that we read. Um, you know, all that stuff's easy to understand. I'll tell you what else is easy to understand. Uh, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, nine wins. Um, I can figure that out pretty easy. <laughs> That's, I mean, to me, how efficient he is with his team, how they can control the clock when they need to, they can run the different tempos. Uh, this guy can beat you in a lot of different ways. And just because he's a run-first guy, doesn't mean he can't throw a, a you know a pass with good touch, particularly deep, because we've certainly seen uh, seen that. All right, your uh, hog updates coming up. We'll get into some of the headlines. We'll take a look back at the SEC coaches selections. All of that in just a second. 
At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Well, the coaches selections for the All-SEC team came out yesterday. There were four Razorbacks selected uh, yesterday to the coaches selections. Chuck, Jalen Catalan, Bumper Poole, Ricky Stromberg headlined four Razorbacks on the 22 preseason coaches first team. Redshirt junior Brady Latham selected to the third team offense. Catalan's been racking up these accolades. AP All-American earlier this year, uh, or earlier this week, rather, uh, on the uh, second team. He's on Phil Stills' list. Pro football focus. There's so many you can't keep up with it. Uh, Bumper Pool, he's back for another year. He led the team in tackles last year with 125 tackles. Now, he did, was it 40 some odd he needs to become the uh, all time career leading tackler? So, I mean, this is the kind of career that uh, Bumper Pool's kind of on the front porch of, of having is being the top uh, career tackler when he leaves Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, he's benefiting from that COVID year. Sure. And it was, you know, such a big lift when he came back. I mean, that, that to me was their biggest recruiting coup of the offseason was getting him to come back. I mean, the numbers support his selection. I think the thing that, you know, coaches understand is that, um, and, you know, the rest of us probably do too, that, you know, he's a grown man. I mean, this is going to be a grown man out there. You know, he's gotten that extra year. I don't know if he's 24. 24 if he's 20. not he's 23 mm-hmm. and um so you know that's a big deal i mean that's a big deal it's a big deal in all the sports but um you know bumper bumper's been around the block and i think everybody understands that um uh, you know you got to know where he is the numbers certainly back up the selection see dalton wagner dorian gerald and bumper pool would be those guys that would be i guess the three oldest guys on the team, Dorian so. Gerald's been there. I mean, it was like seems like Bobby Petrino signed him. <laughs> it's been it's been so long. Um, you know, that's a guy that is. You know, every time I see him out there, I think, man, that guy looks like a football player. They can just keep him healthy. Um, you know, who knows? And um, Dalton Wagner's either going to play in the NFL or he's going to be a WWE superstar. One of the two. Uh, he fits the role for both. I mean, he. When he enters he's the room, he's in their internship. They, I mean, he's in the oh, WWE yeah. intern program. But, uh, I think he's got. I think he's got a shot. He has a presence when he enters a room. There's no question about that. He's uh, a great kid. The center on that offensive line, Ricky Stromberg, also uh, on that first team All SEC, is the center. Thirteen games he started there last year. Part of a, you know, the best Power Five rushing attack. Only gave up three sacks last year, and only penalized eight times. Stromberg is so good. We don't even talk about him anymore. Yeah. 
You know, and, and when you're an offensive lineman and you are so good that everybody, well, I wonder what they're going to do here. I wonder who's going to start here. I wonder who's going to be the backup guy here. Nobody ever brings that up with center because we know who that guy's going to be, and that's where it all starts. And um, Stromberg may be the smartest guy on the team in terms of football smarts, and it all starts there. You know, I was interested. I thought about this when you were talking about Latham being selected third team, and mm-hmm. I guess Stromberg first team. And, you know, they give that Joe Moore award out at the end of the year to the best offensive line in the SEC. That is a, you know, that's the one part of the team that I think more than any other uh, views themselves as a nameless group. And um, that Joe Moore award, a lot of these group awards, I don't think mean a whole lot, to be honest. Even some of the individual awards, you know, they don't move the needle for me. But the Joe Moore award, to me, is um, it's the one award out there for a group that I think really means something. Because if you're the best offensive line in our league, um, you know, you got some big daddies up there. You mentioned Latham. He, he just like Stromberg, started all 13 games last year, recorded uh, 890 snaps to lead the way for, uh, like you said, one of the uh, country's best, Power 5 football's best rushing attack last year. Last note in our Hog Update, Sam Pittman Live is back tonight. 7 o'clock, Catfish Hole. You can hear it on ESPN Arkansas. Hit that line.com. Uh, who's Coach bringing with him tonight? Trey Knox will be there, and Simeon Blair will be there. Both these guys are really good on the mic. Again, we're back to pre-COVID non-restrictions. Everybody, It's going to be a free-for-all in there tonight. And I, I, I've said this before, and I say this respectfully to all the coaches who've done it. Uh, the players are the ones that are always the biggest hit with the audience, and they'll be good again tonight. So uh, that's tonight. You can hear it right here uh, at 7 o'clock on uh, all these stations you're listening to. Uh, Chuck, Coach Pittman, uh, should be a lot of fun tonight, 7 o'clock from the Catfish Hole. Again, if you can't be near the radio, hit that line.com. We'll, uh, we'll get you that uh, as well. College football is almost here, and we're helping you get ready as we do every season with Arkansas Game Day with a special one to start when Arkansas opens up against Cincinnati Saturday, September the 3rd. Now, we'll get things going at 9.30 a.m. Here's the deal. Tommy's going to be back in studio. Drew Barrett's going to be at Randall Ford, and I'm going to be at Sassy's Red House on college. Arkansas Game Day is always presented by Bud Light and Curveball Whiskey is going to be at Sassy's Red House on college. Get ready for the opening game between Arkansas and Cincinnati with Arkansas Game Day. Heard live on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. So what's your beef Wednesday edition of the Morning Rush? What's got you hacked off here as we're 10 days out from college football? School's back. Weather's starting to cool down a little bit. Maybe that's got everybody eased up a little bit. We'll get into maybe what's grinding your gears. We've been talking about K.J. Jefferson. That's been something I've been on this morning and how he got left off the All-SEC coaches selections as one of the what turns out to be four quarterbacks that made the first, second, 
and third team. We'll dive into some beefs. We'll also look at some of the tiers of college football, according to ESPN.com's David Hale. We're brought to you by Booyah. It's made right here in Arkansas by Pradco. You need the uh, the Booyah baits to take along. It's one of the hottest swimming jigs on the Arkansas River right now, the Booyah Mobster. It was designed by the Muddy Water Mob locally right here in Arkansas and Oklahoma. So if you're trying to win a tournament on a you know Beaver Lake or Dardanelle or Kerr, particularly on the river where you're working submerged or matted grass, the Booyah Mobster is what you need to help reel them in. Find it at LureNet.com and tackle stores all over Arkansas and Oklahoma it's the Booyah Mobster. Chuck, I got some more stuff bothering me. Let's get into what it. What is wrong with you? I want to complain. I'm complaining. I want to complain about complaining. I want to complain. It really pisses me off today. To simply listen to people whine and complain. I'm angry. I'm, I'm spitting angry. I'm like a tornado of anger swirling about. My heart rate is dangerously high right now. I'm complaining because not enough people tickle, hug, or smile. I'm so mad I could eat ball bearings and crap me It's time for What's Your Beef Wednesday. All right, we kind of already went over K.J. Jefferson. You know how I feel about him being left off and overlooked on these coaches' selections. But here's another thing. School has gotten back. I know I'm a different place in life than you two guys right now. I got a 12-year-old and an 11-year-old, a 5th grader and a 7th grader going. Why is it that the schools have to send home? I mean, there's so many papers they need filled out the first day of school. We live in a modern world where everything's available on the computer. You can fill it out on your phone. You can fill it out on your tablet. No. No efficiency at all. Here we are, first two nights. They bring they bring home these packets, and we get these phone calls and these texts. Hey, and by the way, we need these 19 forms back tomorrow morning, or, you know, or your child will fail school. Essentially, is the feeling they they make you have. It's this way. I mean, I did. I had to go do school pickup yesterday. You want to know what will derail your day faster than anything, guys? When your wife calls, says, "I got a flat tire." You know, <laughs> can you pick the kid? Wait, I had to deal with all the. Then you get home and you got 19 forms for each kid to fill out. Nothing That's will That's a lot out. of forms. I mean, it's... Uh, I think it's pretty safe whoo. to say what Tommy did last night. Well, yeah, I watched my wife fill out forms. I was going to say, I you griped the whole time your wife filled those uh, out? You know, I, uh, you know, but I was in full support of her, you know. Yeah. Well, Maybe I this mean, is some, some some beef through osmosis. You, know? <laughs> so. you complained about it while she did it, so uh, she felt better about the fact that you appreciated yeah, but she doesn't have the a microphone. she was going you know? to. She doesn't have a microphone to do the complaining, so I had to listen to the other complaints. So uh, you know, here we are. You know, it all today. rolls downhill. Yeah, 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 we understand yeah exactly. That. Uh, I mean, I you've mean, been married. You, you're going to get married. You know how that is. You I know, understand that. So anyway, that's my beef on the uh, first day of school. I did school pickup line, which bless my wife's heart. I, she takes care of that normally. But yesterday we. You know, we had a little tire mishap. We were trying to deal with that, shuffle kids, and I got I got called in from the bullpen, you know, uh, to step up here and help out. So school pickup line is where they, I mean, that is just uh, where the edge were of you, hell is. I mean, that's the edge of hell. <laughs> I got to ask, when your kid got in the car, were you like, cheery dad? Hey, oh, how was your day? Or were you like, get in the car? Why do these people not... <laughs> Pull over so we can get out. <laughs> Which dad were you when uh, your kid got in the car? Little bit of both. Okay. Um, picked her up, and of course, her first question: Why ain't mom picking me up? You know, <laughs> why are you here? <laughs> exactly. Well, good to see you here? too. 
How was your day? Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> so, I mean, they're at that age. They're at that age. You got anything bothering you, Drew? Um, <clears throat> yes. Yes, I do. So there is a, they put in a new stop sign down here on Chad Colley right here, yeah. on my, which is my route hey, from your, my apartment your, right? to, to the radio station. Yeah. I don't know if there's so many people or creatures of habit. I have seen 20 cars since they put this in a month ago just fly straight through it. Hmm. Like, I get it. It's new. But most of the time when you're driving, you open your eyes, right? Your eyes are open. There's, it's, it's got flashing lights on it to let everybody know, like, hey, you're supposed to stop. Like, if there's a stop sign. Please stop. Hey, because just, just make sure if one of them hits you, it's a really expensive car. That, that <laughs> needs to be your goal right there, you know. Pull out in front of the uh, the luxury mm-hmm. vehicle, you know. You can get one of these saving contracts when, when, when you're done with, with all I, of that. I guess so. so. I guess I need to take advantage of it. Yeah. But just people I, not stopping at a stop sign, just drive, it's, it's driving me crazy. I couldn't help but notice both of you guys, like, brought up things about driving. You're behind the wheel of a car. That's I have just road a guy rage. thing. Yes, yes I, yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, uh, hey, I got to admit, right now, and it's not really a beef. It happens every year. But Fayetteville right now is just, I mean, everybody's driving like a bat out of hell except me. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I, I, I feel older every year because yeah. I'm over in the right lane and people are flying by and they're flipping me off and, like, <laughs> you know, wondering why. I, uh, um, I hate to sound like an old man, but I wish they'd slow down a little bit. <laughs> and I'd wish you'd speed up. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got places know. to be. No, if you were really an old man, you'd be in the left lane doing it, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, I'm not quite there yet. But uh, uh, Well, the road's smoother over here. Yeah, but I, uh, I am pretty much a right lane guy a lot of the time now. Well, all right, what's bothering you out there? You can uh, call or text with your beefs today, 877-377-6969. Six three. David Hale from ESPN uh, put together the tiers of college football. Maybe maybe some of our fan bases will have tiers T E A R S by the time it's over with. But uh, th- this is the uh, the the hierarchy right now going into the college football season. We've we've touched on this, but we've really taken a deep dive on the conversation this morning. I'm going to go down to about the, where the tiers Arkansas is at, but Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, we talked about that. That's tier one. That's top shelf. That's as good as he thinks it, it is in college football. I don't think any of us could. We disagree that anyone in there doesn't belong or anyone that's not on there should be in that Ohio upper State echelon. suspect. Ohio State suspect. Okay. Tier two, Clemson, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. What? Thir- there's 13. There's 13 different college football playoff appearances amongst that group one more time on that group clemson michigan notre dame oklahoma well i'd play any of them okay tier uh let's see tier three let me get here tier three is uh nc state texas a&m utah and wisconsin Utah's thought very highly of this year. They they play Florida early. We're going to find out if they're any good. Well, I mean, Florida's not going to be. This is not a vintage Florida. I understand, but they still got to go into it into the no, swamp. No, I'm not taking anything away from that trip. But, I mean, I, I don't uh, – boy, that's a big drop-off. That's a big drop-off. All right. Tier four, Miami, Texas, USC. Texas belong there? Does Miami, Does Miami really? and USC belong there. Yeah. Well, Miami's going to go to A&M early. 
uh, right before Arkansas plays A&M. So Texas has got Bama. I want to make sure I understand. This tier is like how good he thinks these teams are? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, just tearing out college football. Okay. Go ahead. And then uh, Tier 5, Baylor, Houston, Kentucky, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest. And then Tier 6, where the Razorbacks slot in. Arkansas, BYU, Cincinnati, Iowa, Ole Miss, and Pitt. And I think what's interesting. Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, you got, you, you're you going to find out. Do you belong in that group or you don't? Because Arkansas plays BYU, Cincinnati, and Ole Miss, all out of that same tier. Well, I, you know, again, I, I'd take my chances against any of those teams in the tier, and I'd take my chances against most of the teams in the tiers above that. Um, you know, I kind of think that's where we are right now as a fan base. Uh, and maybe there is an expectation that, you know, goes beyond the spot where it should be. But, you know, you read a lot of teams there, Tommy, that I think the Razorbacks are better than they are. And I think there are other teams in the SEC that might be better than them, too. And, I, you know, I realize I'm biased on that. But, um, you know, I think, uh, I think Arkansas is two or three tiers too low in that bunch, or at least a couple. All right, so we have a final four at the end of the year. Let's go back to Tier 1, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. How many of that of those teams do you think make the final four in the college football playoff? I'll say two. Okay, so – Just the law of averages, two. Yeah, and, and Bama and Georgia, you could certainly see a scenario where that one of them cancels the other out. I mean, they're odds on favorite, long odds on favorite, to, to be the teams that, that meet in Atlanta for the SEC title. Ohio State's going to have an easier path. And I don't think the Big Ten's as good as the SEC. I don't think it's as deep as the SEC. You know, some Michigan fans listening may, may disagree. Uh, Clemson's got an easier path uh, than, than Bama or Georgia, in my opinion, because of the level of competition in the ACC. So who in all those other teams, is there a team not on that radar in those tiers I just listed? Who are the, who are the teams you think could rock the apple cart that could be those other two teams in college football's playoff at the end of the year? Oh, it's a tough one. I think the third best team in our league is probably going to be in the conversation. Second best team in the Big Ten will be in the conversation. Uh, there'll be somebody from the outside. There'll be some non-Power 5. There'll be, uh, um, you know, there'll be a team out there. Um, I, I, hate to, I, I hate to ask. I don't think Houston's officially in the Big 12. Yeah, I guess. No. They're not officially in the Big 12 yet. I think Houston's probably a team that's going to win some games. There's a, there's going to be an outside-looking-in team that catches everybody's eye. But, um, you know, I think you look to the second-best teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, and, um, you know, I think I think that's a pretty good bet. Baylor was uh, one of those teams in the tier with Houston. Kentucky was also in that tier five. I don't think Kentucky's a team that really stands much of a chance just because of the setup of the schedule. Now, if they beat Georgia, I'll be dead wrong about that. But it's Kentucky well, a team that can get Here's the thing about there? Kentucky. Here's the thing about Kentucky, and we've seen this, uh, you know, last year particularly. As long as they give Georgia a fight, you know, as long as they give Georgia a fight, Kentucky's going to be more physical than Tennessee. Kentucky's going to be more physical than South Carolina. I think this year they're going to be more physical than Florida. They're going to be more physical than Missouri. Um, In other words, I think Kentucky will be the second-best team on the other side. And that probably means they're going to win again nine or ten ballgames. And so 
you know, and Mark Stoops has got the Calipari feud going that the media loves and people are talking about it. And they've got a quarterback that obviously is all conference in people's eyes. And um, if Kentucky gets to nine or ten wins in the regular season, I do think they're going to be given the benefit of the doubt by some. But um, the East is not as strong as the West defensively. And we should... And, and I do think that's why Kentucky will win a bunch of games. You also point out that Florida, who you were talking about, plays Utah right out of the gate, top ten team, highly ranked team. Then they get Kentucky next. Yeah. You know, Kentucky, uh, they're starting out with Miami of Ohio and then go to Gainesville. Yeah. They're you know, that's going to be a tough two first weeks for Billy Napier to start his career there. Well, and and, and look, it's a it's it's a show me weekend for Kentucky. Sure. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, and both teams will have played a game, but Florida will have played a better team. Um, and they are going to be in the swamp, and it is going to be hot. And it'll be, uh, you know, that'll be a real tester for Kentucky. Let's go outside of the, uh, the SEC for a minute. Ohio or uh, Oklahoma State, this, this is a team that we've had a few texts on this morning, um, thought of pretty highly this year. You look at their schedule. they got to go to Baylor in October. Uh, they open up with West Virginia. Um, they've got Oklahoma later in the year. They don't open with West Virginia. That schedule's backwards. They open. Um, I ain't sure who that is. They, that's Central. That's Central, Central, Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Okay. Um, before they go to Baylor, their first big game of the year it appears is at Baylor. Is is Oklahoma State Chuck a a program that we should keep one eye on? That you know maybe even a, in a weaker Big Twelve could could find a path to get into the playoff. Well, if they beat Baylor, you know, they're going to be one of the teams that, um, that, that obviously, you know, in terms of the outside looking in. The one thing about the playoff, and I know it's going to expand and, and we're going to have more teams, but I think even at four, we got a pretty good idea going in who the best two are. We've got a pretty good idea about, you know, one of these two teams is going to win the national championship. Um, yes, could Oklahoma State, if they beat Baylor – you know, get a bunch of wins, win, you know, 10, 11 ball games, win the Big 12 game. Could they get in? Yeah, they could get in. Baylor could get in. One of those teams could get in. But they're not going to win the national championship. Clemson's offense was below the standards last year. They were, you know, I don't want to say they were awful because that, that would be. They didn't have a good quarterback. They didn't have a good, exactly. That's where it was going. Will they be a team that's back in this? Because they get the benefit of the doubt if they play well. They didn't play well enough to earn it last year. Is Clemson going to be a team that uh, that makes makes that kind of noise this year? Not if they don't get their quarterback situation improved. I, I mean, to me, that was the entire issue with Clemson last year is they, they didn't have a quarterback. If they can, you know, if this guy develops or they find a different one and they're able to move the ball offensively, defensively they were, you know, they were playoff level last year, but they were just so bad offensively. And um, if they're not better offensively, no, they won't get in. And by, and by better, I mean a lot better. Clemson's season may boil down to November 5th. They were at Notre Dame that day. And that could easily be a top five, certainly a top ten matchup. Uh, Clemson can win that game. They've won their others. They play NC State, who's highly thought of. They're ranked 13th. Uh, Wake Forest is in the top 25. They've got some opportunities. Miami later in the year at home is number 16. They, they've got some, some chances uh, to, to prove themselves. But 
Chuck, if Notre Dame lives up to the billing and Clemson lives up to the billing, that's going to be an, an epic matchup in early November. You know, it's interesting. And I'm, you, these are all going to be great games, and, and they're going to be fun to watch. I know why conferences outside the SEC hate us, because I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking, you know, all those teams are okay. But it's almost like we think of Alabama and Georgia as the standard and everybody else is way behind them, except maybe Ohio State. And, um, you know, I think of the upper crust of the SEC as being so far superior to the upper crust of other conferences that um, I, I guess, and, and again, this is, this is why they hate us, um, I don't pay as close attention to a lot of those ball games because I don't think that any of those teams have a chance to win at all. But I may be wrong. Remind but I don't think me. any of those teams have a chance to win at all. Remind me again, who was the two teams that played for the national title last year? Uh, I believe that was Georgia that won it, and didn't they play Alabama? Yeah, I, I mean, that's and, and look, I, I know it's not going to be that way every year. And, and, you know, we take pride in what the SEC does, but let's not confuse somebody else's success with our success. I mean, we want to be in that game. Well, um, Everybody else wants to be in that game. But I do think, I just think that the top two or three teams in the SEC are going to be so much better than everybody else that when you talk about getting into the playoffs, what we're really talking about is no matter how expanded you make it, um, who's going to get to the semifinals? Because chances are it's going to be two SEC teams playing for it all. Let's, let's be honest, though. All of us that have stood in the stands and chanted SEC, SEC, and we love to go down to the beach in the summer and just remind everybody it just means more and all these things. The SEC has lived on that reputation with its top two teams, and Bama and the other team, and right now it's Georgia, have been better than everyone else. But then when you get to teams – three, four, five, and six, you know, it gets a lot more even. But at the last time I checked, though, they determined the winners based on the best, not not well, on who your best sixth, who your sixth team is or your eighth team is. You know, and, and I think that's what rubs these other fan bases raw is they feel like, well, top to bottom, we're just as good. But, well, you know, the SEC is just as good at the top. Well, they, they determine the winner by who's at the top. In some cases, you know, you could match the fourth-place team from the Big Ten, fourth-place team from the SEC, fifth and sixth. You'd probably have some pretty good ball games. The SEC would win the majority of them. But, um, you know, I'll make a deal with some of these people. Um, you know, the first thing you got to do is when you beat the eighth-best team in the SEC, stop acting like you beat Georgia or Alabama. Yeah. Um, you know, they act like when they – um, you know, when, when, when somebody beats South Carolina, they beat Georgia. Um, you know, and Arkansas has seen some of that, too, with some teams they've played. We've seen some of that, too. Other places have seen some of that. When Memphis beat Mississippi State, I mean, they acted like they beat Alabama. And uh, um, so, you know, you are going to have teams um, in the conference that are going to lose games that you look back on and you think, wow, you know, that – you know, that would have been a game they should have won. Other school has probably got it on the cover of their media guide the following season. Yeah. Um, but that's just kind of how it works. But, um, you know, for better or worse, Alabama and Georgia right now are the calling cards of the Southeastern Conference. And fortunately, for those who 
pull for the SEC. They're the two best teams in the country, at least have been the last couple of years. Bud Light Next is available nationwide today, anywhere you can buy your other Bud Light products. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. 